Welcome to the Owner's Box. Now, here's Billy Koch and Michelle Yu. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Owner's Box. I'm Billy Koch, founder and managing partner of Little Red Feather Racing Club. Joining me alongside, as always, the great, the talented, the wonderful, the beautiful, the amazing Michelle Yu. Michelle, You're what's so going on? Funny sometimes. Why? Because <laughs> you say too many nice things about me. Listen, people think that you like this, me. People think that I like you? <laughs> uh, listen, I think everybody says nice things about you. I, I think you are one of the most beloved people in horse racing. I think that's crazy. But I appreciate the sentiments anyways. Well, here's the thing. I mean, you 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 tell it like it is. You're not afraid. And uh, and and you you genuinely care about the horses and the game. So that's, I think, why. Well, I appreciate that, Billy. Thank you very much. All right. So we have a great show today. We have a very, very special guest. It was worth the day delay. Yeah, it's okay. We'll put this up tomorrow, Friday morning. But it's John Ebert from Blue Rose Farm. And of course, if we talk three things of note, I have a feeling the Belmont Stakes is going to be your number one. And it was won by a horse named Arcangelo, who is owned by John Ebert and Blue Rose Farm. And Michelle, I mean, that was quite a day at Belmont Park. And uh, I'll, I'll let you kind of go through it, but uh, there were some amazing moments for horse racing. And on this show, you know we like to talk about positives. We try to stay positive, and uh, I don't think we're going to have trouble doing that with some of the emotion that was on display last Saturday at Belmont Park. Certainly, and I, I, as much as we tout the owner on this show because that's what it is, I do have to kind of fangirl a little bit over Jenna Antonucci. She had come on this Naira set when I was working um, over the weekend, and I literally just stopped working. I sat down and just listened to her. She was so engaging and so well-spoken, and she's followed that up with all these different news hits and all these different interviews, and she's just been such a gem through this whole process. So before the Belmont and leading up to obviously the huge spotlight afterwards, she's been a star. Absolutely. Credit to her and her team. Um, the the emotion of her cheering uh, Arcangelo on was... That's what I like when was, I've been like a maiden 20, by the way. I do the same. I said that to someone. I'm like, yeah, that's basically like me every single race. Every I don't race, know why. Yeah, every race. <laughs> I mean, the fact that her, my favorite thing was when she yelled, I think she yelled like, run, buddy. <laughs> you know, you just, it, for those of you who are listening, who have, who have never owned a horse, or even if you have, you, you, un, you get just how it's an, I've said it before. It's an out of body experience. You don't really know what you're saying. You're just cheering so hard and you're rooting for the jockey and you're rooting for the horse. And it's, it's, there's. You can't get that in in life, except in these types of moments. And I think that's what's so attractive to horse, to being in this business and especially horse ownership. I agree. I think that it is. Uh, it, it was. It gave me chills to watch. It did. It gives me uh, chills nothing, to watch every time. Nothing, though, nothing really gave me more chills than watching Cody's wish, though. Uh, you know, except for poor Tom Durkin's call, but we're not, we're not going to talk about that. Um, yes, Cody's wish. I, can I swear? I can swear sure. on this show, right? It's our show, right? Yeah. I mean, he's a fucking beast. <laughs> he is just a beast. I mean, there is he's a he's a gorilla. He is. 
I mean, you know, Tom Durkin said toiling, which I didn't oh. think he was really toiling. Junior. They were kind of going fast. And as soon as Junior Alvarado turned him loose, like the race was over in like three strides. I mean, he just outside gobbled, gobbled, gobbled. I mean, let's be fair. We looked at the past performances for the race, right? There wasn't a true challenger for him. Uh, Slowdown Andy had been working well, but he'd already been well beaten by Cody. He was coming off a layoff. Dr. Scheibel, we're not sure if a mile was anywhere within his wheelhouse, right? And I was concerned when all of the announcers were like, well, Dr. Scheibel is this committed speed. Um, I'm thinking in my head, like, the only time he's really gone to the lead is when Flavian's rain broke. Right. <laughs> so, Did like, you I'm like sure that move? Did you from. like that move with Dr. Scheibel? Uh, you know, it wasn't my favorite move. I just didn't, I didn't really understand it. I, I, I didn't get it. And I, I, you know, I meant to talk to Glatt this morning because I was, I was with him this morning and I kind of forgot. I apologize. But I just, I didn't, I didn't really grasp. You knew that race was coming up tough. You're, you're... Well, it was tough because of Cody's wish, but if Cody's wish hadn't been there. Yeah. Maybe it was, and, and. And it's a one turn mile. A one turn mile was maybe they right. were thinking like, yeah. okay, let's. Very prestigious. I get it. I get the it. I get it. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I had to take a sip of coffee. Oh, that's right. Um, all right. Well, Cody's wish was awesome. Uh, I can say, was really awesome. watching him. So um, I was I was out in like the executive offices after I got done, and when Cody's wish came out, I watched him over the balcony, and I was sitting um, with Jen Perkins, who works for the Strana Group, and her her partner Andrew works for Naira, and I was like, we have to go see Cody, right? She's like, yeah. So we like bustled our way out there. There was like a throng of people from like the offices and stuff, all trying to get out to like watch Cody's wish up close at the rail. It was awesome, right? It was total fan moment. So we like get up there and when he comes down the lane, like Jen and I both had goosebumps all over. Like I was a little teary eyed. I'm not even sure why. Like it yeah. was just, it no. was like a cool moment for this horse just to show like such prowess. I was watching on TV at Santa Anita and I was in the suites and I actually went to the suite next to me who I have some friends there when Cody's wish walked out and I said, I, I don't, I can't remember the last time I bet a three to five shot or a two to five <laughs> shot, but I think this might be like one of those times when he was just walking out. I was, he just breathed different air than the other horses just physically. And it'll be interesting to see what Bill Mott and his team and team Godolphin do with this horse, because there's talk of him stretching out. Uh, I, I don't know. What would you do? What would you do, Michelle? I mean, I feel like, it doesn't take anything away from him to to try and stretch him out, right? Like, I mean, he's he's the best older horse in training right now. He probably won't win a horse of the year if you stick to mile races and do the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile again. Like, he's going to have to step out. Now, even if he, like, steps out, say he ekes out a win in the Whitney and they decide, look, he can't go further, they bring him back. Right. I still feel like that is better for him than not trying it at all. Okay, I'm with you. Now, that being said, Mott has kind of, like, kept him to these distances. Right. So, like, maybe seven eighth, one turn mile. In. Right, right. Seven he, eighth. You know, he, he said he has a really long stride. So What do you mean they said? You could turns see if he, You know, especially if the first turn came up quick. Like, I'm not sure. Maybe he just couldn't get into a good rhythm. I don't know. I think I think the re I think the reason has been that they think he's distance challenged. Right. But you know, I think like you said, he's you gotta find out at some point. Yeah. So uh just I, can I can I say one more horse? Can I give yeah. you one more horse on that day that really impressed me? 
Claire, is it going to be Elite Power? Oh, two more horses that really impressed me. Let's segue into Elite Power just because we're talking about Belmont. Yeah, I mean, Elite, Elite, like, Elite Power. Well, you know I loved him in the Breeders' Cup last year. Yes. And he was like my first choice in our Breeders' Cup pool. And um, he's awesome. Um, I don't know who's going to beat him in that division. I wonder if they'll ever stretch him out. Uh, but also, I thought Clarier was brilliant. She was... And that's funny. You say brilliant. Brilliant isn't the word I use to describe her because she's like slow burn. Yeah. Now she was impressive and she was valiant and she was but, determined. But did you but watch? To me, she's not brilliant. Yeah, but did you watch the eases with the way, way she went by the uh, uh, who was it? Search results. Yeah. Um, like she was wrapped up in the last like. You know, two hundred yards. It literally took her though, like the entire stretch. I know, but I just, I just, I just like her. I, I just think she's, I think she's terrific. I'm sorry, maybe brilliant was the wrong word. I'll take it back. I just, <laughs> I just have a soft spot for Clarier. I just, I think she's a very neat horse. Stone Street, of course. Barbara Banky, uh, Steve Aspison, several of our favorites. So, can I go back real quick to uh, Elite Power? Yeah. Okay, because you loved him in the Breeders' Cup. I did not, and I was going to not use him on my tickets, and my husband was like, you are so stupid if you don't hammer this horse, like, every way from sideways. Yeah. So I was like, fine. I, like, begrudgingly added him onto everything, and that, like, cashed every ticket that I had uh, <laughs> at a great price, so I was very thankful for that. But, I mean, okay, so this horse could not even come close to breaking his maiden, right? Wait, who Wait, who are we talking about? Elite Power. Yeah, okay. Okay. Finally broke his maiden in, in June. He came back and won an allowance. Yeah. He won allowance again. And then he won a grade two. And then he won the Breeders' Cup, right? So we're like, okay, now we're just starting to get good. Now he comes and he wins in Saudi. He comes back here and he wins again. He's not racking up the grade ones like Cody's wish. But I feel like this is a horse we haven't even seen, like, how good he is yet. Yeah, no, I think he's just reaching his peak. And if you look, I think Cody's wish was similar where he didn't break his maiden first time out. And I think... You know, we are in a society now that is just purely uh, win now, win fast, you know, sell, uh, you make them a stallion, the whole thing. And uh, so sometimes it's nice to see these horses develop. And I think Bill Mott obviously is one of the best in the business. Yeah, a hundred thousand percent. And I've just to have two horses of this caliber at the same time that are of like a similar <clears throat> running I mean, sprints to, to one turn miles are kind of like elite. in that same wheelhouse, right? Yeah. I think it's pretty cool. And to watch what Bill's been able to to do with them. I mean, to have elite power ready to go off the trip to Saudi. And like he told me, this horse is kind of like easy in the mornings. He doesn't, you know, go yeah. and, and work himself into the ground. Yep. So to have him and like know he's ready when he doesn't indicate. It's not like he's out there working 59 and change. Right, right, right. right. So Bill Mott is realizing he's ready off working like 101. I think it's nuts. Do you think it's an advantage for a guy like Bill Mott that he doesn't – I don't think Bill Mott cares about his win percentage. Do you? No. Bill right. Mott's got some of the best clients in the right. world. And they, they're not coming to Bill because he's a right. 29% trainer. Right. right? And that's – but what I, I guess my point was sometimes you hear rumblings like, oh, you know, this, this, this guy wanted to work his horse – two more times because he has to win or they're worried about their, they're not going to just give horses races. I think that's, you th I, I, that frustrates me. Like, because right. horses sometimes just need to run. They need to develop rather than always, you know, and as an owner, we, we ran a horse in Ireland yesterday 
our first uh, two-year-old of the year ran in Ireland yesterday, and she ran an awesome second. And we were so happy because, you know, you keep the maiden, you get the ship and win money, bringing her to Delmar, like all this stuff. It's like you can be happy to run second. You can be happy to run a good third. I was happy that when Rexford ran second to Escape Artist the other day. Right. You know, um, he proved he we could. We tell our owners all the time when we have a two-year-old, like, it, the best possible thing is to run seconds, like, three times in a row. Because once you break your maiden, there is not another race for you. Right. Exactly. Like, people don't and understand that's that. That's, I think so it's when a... they're all disappointed, oh, we ran right. third. Right. No, that's great. Yeah, now I you think... can make another check. I really think it's something that that new owners, especially, and even even other owners, you know, should should take note of that. You know, obviously, anytime you go into a race, you want to win. I don't think there's a question. We all want to win, even if you have a big long shot. You somehow convince yourself that that the pace is going to fall right into your lap and you're going to win, right? That's what we as owners do, and that's the hope. Mm-hmm. That's why we're in this game. But at the same time, you got to be realistic. And and you have to enjoy when your horse runs well, even if they don't win. I guess that's my Billy's soapbox for the day. I also have been I want to take win percentage of trainers off of all of our past performances. <laughs> right. It should, well, it's for the handicap. It's for the gamblers, you know. But it's so much pressure, but it's not because like it, then it leads to like owners only want to send a horse to you if you're above certain percentage. Right. It's, it's a vicious like, circle. Okay. It's a vicious circle. Look, it is a vicious circle. I mean, and like, look at it like us right now. Like Ryan can, 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 he's a good trainer. No matter what anybody else says, I think he does a good job. And right now we are not winning. We're running a lot of like seconds and thirds, but our win percentage is so low. But if you talk to anybody, they're like, no, you're having a great year because they don't think that like, oh, we haven't won. They just see like horses running well. Right. Right. You know? Right. So it's so frustrating because like then you, that, that, single digit number is just sitting there haunting you but you're you're keeping a lot of conditions (laughs) thanks all right let's michelle do we have any more to discuss or can we bring on our very very special guests john ebert ebert let me me just real quick i just want to mention that obs sales are going on they'll unfortunately be done by the time that uh, this airs but we'll be looking forward to seeing some of the results on that um zenyatta has been retired from being a broodmare i thought we would add that right there yeah um she delivered a philly and obviously we all know that she has not been like as good as a broodmare as she was on the racetrack and she has had a problem keeping her foals so they decided to retire her from that and said that she will be a good ambassador for the sport because she still loves people and loves visitors personally i would love to see them maybe move her to a more like fan open location right yeah um i don't know if that'll happen but i think it would be neat because lane zen doesn't want a gazillion people a day coming to see zenyatta and i think she could draw that Uh, we've spoken let me just interrupt interject we've spoken before about these incredible mares and that sometimes they don't make great brood mares and i've given you my theory do you remember my theory no, my theory was testosterone. What's your theory? Yeah, well, my theory is very similar. My theory is that these these incredible race mares were so big and strong and all and like men, and they had they had testosterone. They had maybe more testosterone than estrogen, if that's what they talk about in the horse world. But mm-hmm. and and because of that, when they go into the into the breeding shed, they're not moms. 
You know what I right. mean? They weren't meant to be moms. Um, and so you and I are on the same page on that. And that, it's a distinct possibility because some of our be better racehorses, you look back, whether it's uh, winning colors or rags to riches or Zenyatta, just haven't been great broodmares. I'm, and maybe, maybe too, we have to think that like uh, you're only allowed to have one baby a year. So maybe sometimes it's the not the right match because you go for the most commercial or the most popular or whatever it is instead of maybe like matching exactly with what your horse right. should get. Right. You you have very little trial and error when you're talking about a broodmare. Yep. Um, That's a good point. Good point. Uh, okay. So the final thing, just real quick, is Royal Ascot is coming up this week. Yep. And there are a lot of American horses. Okay. I mean, not only does Wesley Ward have horses going, George Weaver, Kenny McPeak, Tom Morley. Like, there's a ton of trainers bringing horses for Royal Ascot this year. I think I think it's become very popular. I think uh, we tried to do that with our filly that ran yesterday. And she was going to run about three weeks ago. And maybe had she run, we might be at Royal Ascot. But she uh, got what's called a, a dirty nose. You ever have a dirty nose? Yeah. Get a dirty nose. Mm -hmm. So we didn't run. Now it's too quick back. So, um, but a lot of people I talk to, Michelle, it's funny. Uh, obviously, I'm in the syndication business and people call me all the time. Well, what about this? What about this? And a lot of them say, well, we'd like to go to Ascot. So it's a thing. Well, yeah. It's a thing. Are you, You're going, right? I'm going. Mm -hmm. A great trip. Not with a horse. All right. Can we take a quick break and come back with John Ebert? Let's do it. All right. Here we go. The Owner's Box is brought to you in part by Gainsway Farm. We are thrilled to once again be partnered with Gainsway for 2023. Gainsway stands up-and-coming stallion McKenzie. McKenzie produced 16 six-figure first crop weanlings, the most of any first crop sire, with a $135,000 weanling average. At Keeneland January, McKenzie produced the two highest-priced first crop yearlings at $220,000 and $250,000, which was well above the $145,000 sales average. Additionally, at Phasic Tift in February, McKenzie had the highest-priced first crop yearling at $200,000. Don't miss out on your opportunity. For more information, visit Gainsway.com. I want a McKenzie, too. We are thrilled to continue our partnership with Woodbine for the 2023 season. The great racing north of the border at Woodbine continues with graded stakes all summer, highlighted by the King's Plate in August and the Grade 1 Woodbine Mile in September. Don't miss out on all the action. For more information, you can head over to woodbine.com. All right, back here on the Owner's Box with a very special guest, and I've been pronouncing his name wrong as usual. It is John Ebert, who is the owner of Arcangelo, uh, uh, Belmont you Stakes winner. You made things so fancy there, Arcangelo. Arcangelo. Uh, Blue Rose Farm. John, welcome to the show, and congratulations. Thank you. That, that, was, that seemed fun. <laughs> It was it was it was amazing, amazing. Well, I'm still I'm still living off the experience. Oh, I can imagine. I'm living off experiences that happened to me in like 2004. So you have really you have a long time to enjoy this. Yes, definitely do. Tell us uh, before we get in. It, it, well, we're going to talk about Arcangelo. We're going to talk about the Belmont. We're going to talk about your trainer. But tell us a little bit about yourself and and how you got started in horse ownership. Um, so I got started in horse ownership. I, I, I think about, I was about 25. I went up to the, 
it's something I always wanted to do. Um, and I went up to uh, the old uh, Saratoga, the New York Breeders' Sale in Saratoga, and I, I picked the horse. Uh, just by yourself? The horse, just by yourself. By myself. I'm all, I always pick them by myself. It's something I just like to do. You know, it's, it's more of a hobby at that time. And I, I just picked them by myself. I bought them. His, his name was actually Daydreaming Boy. You can look him up. Um, and, you know, I, I raced him. That's I sick. I took him to a trainer at uh, Parks. You know, uh, it was Philadelphia Park at the time. And, I, you know, I started racing him. It was my first racehorse. What, what, what? So uh, explain this because... Michelle and I, for the past 10 years of doing this show, have told people not to do what you did. So <laughs> explain, explain. you just walk into a sale, you grab a catalog, you start looking at horses, and you buy a horse. No bloodstock agent, did you vet the horse? Nothing. I did nothing. I um, I read a book. I read a book by Carl Nasker. It's called Traits of a Winner. No I read way. a book. And, and Yep, I read a book. And I, you know, and, and actually the horse had really good confirmation because I read the book. Um, so a really good confirmation. Yeah. He was just he was just re- really slow. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> so yeah. you did you did everything right, but you bought a slow horse. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Fair enough. Go and, ahead, Michelle. You know, on a, you know. He, when sorry, John, but when you're when you're out there and you're buying this horse, and it's literally your information is coming from a book only. Did you have any previous horse or horse racing knowledge from being a kid or growing up, or this was just, Hey, I'm going to walk to the sale and I'm going to buy something. So I, I said, um, so, so basically when I was, I think I was six years old, my mom, she, we went to, we we're in town by my grandmother. So she's like, Oh, let's, we're going out to eat. Let's take your grandmother. We go to pick her up. She's, we try to pick her up. She's like, we're going to eat. And my grandmother fights her. She's like, I can't go to eat. She's like, I have money on the Kentucky Derby. She's <laughs> like, I can't go I have bets on the Kentucky Derby. So we decided to grab food and bring it back. We watched the Kentucky Derby with her. And I just think it stuck with me. The 20 horses breaking out of the gate. Um, You know, the crowd. Wayne Lucas, you know, he looked, he, just the way he was dressed. And he looked. He won with winning colors. I think it stuck with me for life. Two years later, I, um... I asked for horseback riding lessons and I started, you know, riding lessons. And I was like, you want to ride a horse? And I'm like, yeah, I guess I probably from watching the Kentucky Derby. So I, I got into horses like that. And then eventually, you know, I, I just, when I later, you know, 25 years old, I, I was like, I was working somewhere else and I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to just go buy a horse and see how I, I think I can do this. That's, you know? that's still such an amazing story. John Ebert, Blue Rose Farm joining us. So, so what happened after you had the experience with the slow horse? Um, well, so let me say, I did watch a lot of Kentucky Derbies, like, since then in my life. You know, every year I'd watch the Kentucky Derby probably till I was 25. You know what sure, I mean? After sure. that experience. So I would just, it would be the, an event for me where I'd, oh, I want to watch the Kentucky Derby. So I bought the slow horse. Um, I failed miserably. 20 starts. Never came in the money. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know my what I mean? Oh, wow. Um, I ended up getting another horse. That didn't go well either. Um, kind of same result. Um, I, I took a break from the horse racing thing for a little bit. After that, I actually got into breeding. Um, I was like, I still really love the sport. I, I kind of failed at the racing part, so I got into the breeding part. Wow. And did you pick your own matings? So I did. I, I So I actually, I, I, I so listen to this. There's a story. I landed this horse um, for, for nothing. Oh, well, for nothing. Um, Bob Baffert trained him. His name was Samba Rooster. And yeah, I remember I him. Make a, I, I knew the I I knew there was a lot of um, I knew there was a lot of um, like there was money in the PA breeding industry, so I I tried to make him a PA sire, 
right? Mm-hmm. So I tried to make him a PA sire, and um, I brought I bought some you know relatively cheap mares, bred some nice horses, um, and I watched these babies grow up. Interestingly enough, Samba Rooster and Argangelo have the same grandfather on Bridal Song. Mm. Full. So, we call that full circle. <laughs> so that circle. So um, I watched. You know, I, I watched. I had you know some of these babies. I sold a couple of them, this that. But I watched a lot of them grow up. So I think when I stumbled on Arcangelo, I knew exactly what I was looking at. That's wow. such, that's such an amazing. You know, here's what what's nice about it is that you failed. You failed miserably yeah. for for a little bit, and and it. In fact, it kind of turned you off of the racing game, go into the breeding game. So after these failures, how do you then come back and say, you know what, I want to do this again? I guess so. So after the and then after the breeding game, I kind of went into the pin hooking game and I was doing OK. Not not that great with that either. And I, just, I was looking for a pin hook horse. And that's how I saw Argangelo. You know, I think something just so beautiful about the sport and the horse and there's just something, you know, so uh, so majestic about the horse that it, it's, I don't know, I just kept coming back for more, you know? When you when you go to the, you, you go to the sale and you see Archangelo, and I believe it was, am I, 35,000? 35,000. 35,000. And did you, did you have, I, I, before you by joined us. Gate. Yeah, but by Arrogate. But, um, Michelle and I were just talking about this, that. Um, that when you go to these sales and you, and you and you look at horses and you, you do you it's this game is all about hope. But did you ever say to yourself like, man, I really think this is a Belmont horse? No. So I actually, <laughs> um, it's funny because this actually starts. So basically, I bought the horse and kind of like, you know, I always need to talk to someone. So that's my, you know, it's my mom. I called my mom and she's like, so what are you gonna do with them? And I said, oh, I'm going to try to win the Breeders' Cup 2024 with them. That was it. Oh, nice. And I actually I actually get back to a table where Jenna and her clients, and there's a bunch of them, and basically they said, you know, I told them that I just bought this horse, and this was my plan. And they said, they, to, they told me this now after the Peter Pan. They're like, you know, we laughed at you. <laughs> so they actually <laughs> laughed at me. Uh, but now he's like, now I can kind of see the, the vision, you know. Um the the one of her owners you know he's like you know we all laughed at you and i was like that's funny and he's like but now i can actually see the vision i thought he'd mature a little later because he was so immature at the sale um but he kind of just like off that little break and he runs that maiden you know at, at that 134 we just knew we had something at that point you know how did you how did you uh get hooked up with jenna so i met jenna the day before i bought the horse wow what that's yep. okay. Tell Baby us, tell us that like story. Destiny, like destiny. Tell us that story. Um, so I, uh, I'm, I'm looking at a horse. I'm, I'm looking at a horse and then I, I'm kind of just sitting, I, I'm sitting on, I'm going, like, I'm going by the barn and her, um, her part, her partner in, in the business, Katie, Katie Miranda, she whistles at Jenna to try to like tell her to come see this horse. And, when Katie whistles, she's like almost like in my face whistling. And I'm like, who the hell are you whistling at? You know what I mean? So, so I said, I'm like, who the hell are you whistling at? And then Jenna's like me. And they, they said something funny. It was a joke. And then we just all start laughing. I'm like, oh, these are my kind of people. You know what I mean? So we just started hanging out at the auction, you know, that, that week. That's amazing. That is wild. That's- I, I have a question, John. Like, 
uh, as you went through this whole process between, you know, starting off finding your first horse and the pin hooking and the breeding and everything, at any point did you ever get discouraged and think maybe I need to hire an expert? Um, no, <laughs> I don't know. No, <laughs> actually, no, I didn't. I, I never really, no, I never thought that. Um, yeah, I never thought that. I just, you know, it, you know, I, I do other work and stuff and then it was just, you know, this was like my hobby and I just, I was trying to make it happen and I'd keep, you know, I just had faith. I had faith. I knew what I was doing. I just wasn't getting the break, you know, I love even, it. even there's a couple horses that, so there's a couple, I don't want to name trainers or anything, but there's a couple horses I bred, there was one horse that I bred and maybe two that I really thought that they were the one and maybe I just, they, they didn't pan out at the trainer that I sent them to. So that discouraged me too. I mean, there was this one horse that I, I bred, I still have him. And I mean, he was just, you know, he, he almost looked like Archangelo and he just, you know, I thought we all, we all thought he was the one and he just came back with a, a tendon and he never got to run. And yeah. I mean, he, he just was like an amazing horse, you know? I think there's such. John, what do, what do, you, what do oh. you do for a job? Uh, I do. I invest in real estate. Okay. Real estate. Real estate. You know, all the smart people, Michelle, are in real estate. How come no one told me to do that 30 years ago? I'm sure right. if someone told you, Billy, you would have said no and had your own plan yeah, about it. Probably. Um, I, I want to go on. You guys actually late nominated him to the Belmont for $50,000, which was more than you paid for him. That's amazing. Um, That's what I said, yeah. <laughs> what went into that thought process, which obviously wound up good, but, you know, what were your thoughts going into it? about how big of a risk it was and how comfortable did you feel nominating him? So Jenna tells me we win the Peter Pan. We get up to the Belmont room. Well, you know, we're drinking champagne, you know, they're going to go bring our, you know, our plate, the trophy for the Peter Pan. And then it's just, so I got, I got something I got to tell you. Um, you know, it's just, just brace yourself. And I was like, okay, what could she possibly tell me? We just won the Peter Pan in like, the most exciting fashion ever. She's like, so since we didn't pay, nominate him for the triple crown, we have to pay $50,000 entrance fee for the Belmont. I'm like, whoa. I'm like, way to pick your timing, Jenna. <laughs> <laughs> well, it actually, in, S, in reality, it probably was the best time. You were flying high. You had the purse money from the Peter Pan. Better to do it now than wait a week. And, and, and that's, that's, I basically thought on it maybe for 40 seconds. And I was like, you know what? He made the money. Let's go for it. That, wow. so, he paid his way. Yes, he did. Uh, yeah. Yes, yeah. he. Yeah, I mean, it, it paid him his way in spades. John Ebert joining us from Blue Rose Farm. Where, what is Blue Rose? So I needed a name for you know an LLC, and it just when I was looking for different things, I was thinking of Rose. Like the dream, really, everybody's horse dream is to win a Kentucky Derby. So I thought like Rose. I was thinking Rose, and basically, Blue Rose is impossible. You know, in in this world, so it's trying to achieve or attain the impossible. And that's it, it. Sounded perfect. Oh, that is. It's very nice. I like you know the color. It's very much a little red feather. It's very similar. Very similar to yeah. Blue Rose. Michelle. And, and the most amazing part is um, on the flowers this year. They were blue. They were, they were blue. blue. They were blue. And I was like, wait. I was like, how did that happen? And I was like, Jenna, did you do that? And she's that's above my pay grade. They said <laughs> since it was from Secretariat this year just it was she's like when she saw it she almost like she got like sick like this was destiny blue rose farm they had blue roses on the on the flowers um you know it was just she was like it, it was almost destiny you know i think it wasn't i, all, I think that, it wasn't I, I thought i saw the picture of javi like smelling the blue rose 
And I was like, is that just not picture perfect? No, that it, was... it really was with the blue rose on his on his silks too. At the same, I was like, wow, I couldn't even I couldn't have wrote that better. Like wrote that story better. Yeah, it was more. It, it wasn't like destiny. It was destiny. Michelle, go ahead. I know you have a question. Yeah. Yeah, John, going in, so coming out of the Peter Pan, knowing you're going into the Belmont, I mean, I have to think that your phone must have rung a couple of times with people trying to buy your Colt. Yeah, they were actually trying to buy him for, since his first maiden in December. Interesting. What, can, yeah. can you give us some scoop? You don't have to tell us who it was. Did the number get big? Yeah, the number got pretty pretty large and different offers. Um, I can't can I can I name it like a person who called? Sure. Is that is I mean, that you can do whatever you want. I mean we don't that's not, Yeah. Okay, so 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 the one that called the one that called and, and, and like um so um the one that called kinda right after the Peter like in between the Peter Pan and the Dome was Bobby Flay. And, oh, that's um, our guy. I'm the big, and I'm the biggest Bobby Flay fan. Yeah, like ever, like horses and food and restaurants. He's, I was like, oh man, like I'm such a fan of Bobby. Flay. He's the best. It's gonna be tough to say no to this guy. <laughs> yeah. How did you say no? I, oh man, I was like, oh, like I, I just, I, you know, I don't know. I just, lo- I, I love the horse, and I was just like, oh man, I can't say no to Bobby. You know, <laughs> I was like, um, and then I just love the horse. It's funny we were going um to eat. Uh, you know, we're looking for restaurants, you know, the, the week before the Belmont. I'm like, man, maybe we should have um, let Bobby on. We could just go to his restaurant right now. Right, right. Well, <laughs> yeah, but, um, you yeah may- but, like, I'm such a huge fan of just Bobby's horses, his food. His, I love the show, The Throwdown. Um, it was really tough to say no to him. You know, I just I just really like this horse. I love the horse, and I just I just wanted to keep it, me and, I, me and Jenna. And I just... I just told her that I was like, we started this together. I want to kind of finish it with you, and and that's all it was. If if, if Bobby wants to go on another horse at an auction, hey, I, I would be a hundred percent in. Yeah, but you'd um, have to pick the horse, horse, you know. You, yeah, but I I would let you pick the horse with your with your uh with, with your book knowledge of the Nafsker book. I mean, I, right? You know, I don't know if Bobby's going to do that. That's that's an amazing story. So after the race, now have you started to field possibly some stallion offers? And you don't have to tell us who. I felt stallion offers before the race. Wow! Um, like you know, from from some farms. I, I I won't I won't tell you the farms, but I felt that before the race. Um, right. You know, even you know they after that maiden, everybody kind of knew how good this horse was. Right. That maiden at Gulfstream when he won it, you know, everybody knew the Peter Pan reaffirmed it, and the Belmont really reaffirmed it. Like, w- like a week, yeah, and we we had the offers, and you know, like a week before. You know, maybe like that week of the Belmont, I said like to Jenna, you know, it, it seems insane to say. I didn't really say it to anybody else because I was trying to be humble. And I was trying, you know, just trying to stay focused. I said, you know, all these horses that are in here are magnificent. They'll be like Forte, just a beautiful horse. I've I've watched them race three times. They're just, I mean, gorgeous horses. Some of these these horses in, you know, in the field, Age of Vampire, they're just be- uh, tabbit traits, just beautiful horses. And the uh, most, the Hall of Fame trainers. Um, And I was like, Jenna, we're really going to win this thing. This might've been on like, you know, when like Monday before the race, I said, I can't believe we're really going to win this thing. We really had that confidence. That's it. That's really, I want people to know how hard that is because I'm sure this is, listen, and we don't claim to know much about you. In fact, this is the first time we've ever spoken to you. And, and, but there's possibly some life changing money that, that could have gone your way. Now you bet on yourself, you bet on your horse, you bet on Jenna and now it's even gone up, you know, however many X you want to say it's gone up. But that's a difficult thing to say no. Right. I mean, that is... It, it is. 
it is. I had the mindset where, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not rich. Um, I had the mindset, mindset where I paid $35,000 for the horse. He made me more than that than I, I have into him. And, you know, it's like an investment from there. I'm fine. I don't have to be greedy and get every dollar out of him. Right. I, I'm fine what he does from there. And that, that that's that's the mindset I, I put in my mind. And that's what that's what I went with. That's a great approach. Michelle, What? go ahead. Yeah, John, I just want to know how many horses do you have? Is he your only runner right now? Um. Yeah, I have one other runner with Jenna right now. I'm not going to, I don't really prefer not to say his name and everything, but one other runner with Jenna. That's great. I I have a, I have a question about Jenna because what we've seen, first of all, her quote about having a seat at the table was incredible. Um, It was cool. It it was was really cool. And watching the video of her, Michelle and I talked about it a little bit. I want to know what you were feeling and then I want to get into what you saw afterwards because you may not have seen it until you've seen the video because I think you were behind her. So what were when yeah. they when they turn for home in the Belmont Stakes? What's going through your mind? Oh, so I, I feel like I was confident, you know. Um, you know, Javi's the amazing rider. We're blessed to have him. Um, you know, I had so much faith in, faith in the horse. I was just kind of worried about. Javier's ride, you know what I mean? And sometimes, you know, when you're jockey, that you just get pinned in. You, it's not only you, it's just the way it goes, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that was the thing. So we're, I just remember um, I see us coming, and I, I thought we, you know, I, we're looking good, we're looking good, but it's so nerve-wracking, and everything that you pretty much waged, you turned down the money, you had to put up the 50, you, <laughs> everything is, you know, it was a lot of emotion, and you're just trying to, like, stay, I was just trying to stay calm. Jenna was going nuts. I'm trying to stay calm. And then at the end there, I let it, I let it out. Like Javi rode him perfect. Like that was my big worry. Cause you know, jockey, it's not always the jockey's fault. Anything could happen, you know? Yeah. And when we're you so blessed to have Javier Castellano. I mean, I, blessed. I told him that right before, right before he got on. I said, well, thank you for, for riding this horse. And you're the man, Javi. That's awesome. That horse That's dragged a, what, Javi right what did, that well, Yeah. What, what when did. you, when you went back after and, and two days later and, and you've seen the video on every social media and every television of Jenna, just absolutely screaming and losing her mind. What, what, what does that mean to you? It, it, it was amazing. It was it was almost I was laughing and crying at the same time. It was, it was, it was an unbelievable experience. That's so cool. That's so cool. Uh, Michelle. How many times have you watched the race since? Oh, at least 100. <laughs> at least over 100. I, I watch it every morning I wake up. I just I figure it's a good way to start the day. And by the way, did you just turn 40 a few days ago? Yeah, so actually, this is funny. Um, when I, because I was so involved in the race, and I was like, oh, my birthday is basically on the t- on the tenth, you know, Saturday. Um, I, I, um, I told everybody all the reporters my birthday was uh, Tuesday, right? And I kind of just lost track of my birthday. It was actually Wednesday. It's the fourteenth, um, June fourteenth. <laughs> Happy birthday! Actually, the same birthday as Donald Trump. Because somebody said, oh, you have the same birthday as Donald Trump, which is funny. It was just funny. Um, in New York, but um. Yeah, so I told everybody the wrong, and my girlfriend says to me, she's like, your birthday's on, on Wednesday? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> she didn't want to say anything when the reporters were interviewing me, and I was like, oh, I'm just so wound up in the moment. I didn't even really care what day, but. That's that's very, very cool. Give like, us some. Um, give us. I'm turning 40 sometime after the Belmont. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> with. That's it. The 10th was my birthday this year, and just, uh, yeah, what I mean, I was like, what a birthday present. I, I, the I, best. I, I couldn't have wrote it up better, the, any better. The best birthday present. Give us, um, listen, we know anything can change. What are the preliminary plans for Arcangelo? You mean from here, from here on out? Yeah, absolutely. 
I'll tell you what. So we had a plan to get to here. We got we got it done. Um, we're going to be in a big, you know, everything goes right. You know, of everything course. goes right. We're going to be in a big three-year-old race in the fall. We just don't know which one. Okay. Um, Fair enough. You know, it could, it could be the PA Derby. It could be Travers. It could be the Haskell. It could, well, Haskell, Haskell's early this year, right? I believeve so. Is it Haskell? Yeah, July 20, 21st. Yeah. 21st. 22nd. So it, it, it could be any of those. It could, it could be any of those. We really haven't. You know, I've been actually asking Jenna about it a little more, and she's just like, she's kind of just like, give me time, stop. <laughs> like, let's just, we need time right now. And I was like, okay, okay. So I keep, but I'm like, what do you say? And we just, so we, we're going to go back to it. You know, we're going to go back to it in a couple of weeks. That's completely we fair. Want. That's completely fair. All right, before we let you go, and first of all, thank you for all this time. Thank you so but much. But before we let you go, we have a lot of listeners who ha- have not gotten into horse ownership. We like to give them a little advice. So John Ebert, what kind of advice would you give to someone who's just starting out, just trying to get into the game of horse ownership? Okay. Um, let me think. Uh, so, I mean, I think in anything you do in life, you kind of got to go for it and you, you have to be willing to fail, you know, to get where you want to go, where you want to, you know, where you want to, you know, get to. Mm-hmm. Um, I would pro- probably, it's all the people you surround yourself with. I probably went to it the way I did it. I probably, if I would go back, I probably wouldn't pick the horse myself. <laughs> um, I would try to get someone, you know, a little knowledgeable, a little more knowledgeable. And I think it might make your road a little easier. And I think just stay small. Um, stay small. Go for one horse and see how it pans out. And then, you know, if, if, if it go, you know, don't don't overdo it. Just go for one horse within your budget you know, the best horse you can find within your money and go from there. And then, you know, if that works out, you know, you go for another horse. You, you don't need a horse every year, you you know, because I kind of cut myself back where I buy one oxen horse every year. And, and you know, that's just like kind of my game. Like, one, you know, maybe you go every other year. I think just stay small, live within your means and just, you know, just keep learning, you know, learn everything about the sport, whatever you can take in, you know, from the, the foot up to the, the ears, you know, everything you could take in about the horse. And, and read the Carl Nasker book. Yeah. Read the Carl Nasker book. It was a good <laughs> book. And what's interesting is he, he's, he's, he's kind of thinking about unbridled, which is kind of cool. I ended up with like a horse on the unbridled line. Yeah. That's very cool. Well, his, so, his derby, which I'm sure you saw where he's grabbing, uh, uh, the the owner and uh, Michelle oh, likes Francis. Michelle likes and, to do that call by by Tom by uh, don't you yes, like to do and that? He, he's telling her the whole thing because she can't see. He's right. like, yeah. yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. The You're gonna win the Derby. All right, John Everett, thank you so much. Blue Rose Farm. Can, can I get, can I get one word in? Can yeah, I get one word in? Can absolutely. Can I there's, five? Some, there's some there's something I want to talk about, and yep. everybody keeps um they're talking about um changing the Triple Crown. Yep. And I think it would be a detriment. There's so much history in the Triple Crown, and they shouldn't change the lengths. They should keep the lengths. I know they're trying to change the times, and I'm I'm, re- I'm actually really against it. What I do think, though, however, is what would be beneficial is there's two weeks in between the Derby and the Preakness. I think we can add another week in there and mm-hmm. give them three weeks, and I think that's more reasonable you know, for owners with their grade one horse I give him three weeks off instead of two weeks yep. and it would only push the Preakness back one week and it would push the Belmont back one more week, yep. one week. So, you know, it'll be three weeks in between both of them. I, I really think that's sufficient. And if they maybe somehow made the Preakness purse just a little bit better, they would find themselves more horses and more excitement in all three triple crown races. 
Fair enough. We appreciate your thoughts. We will, uh, we will, we, you know, that's an interesting topic. Michelle and I have discussed it a little bit. Uh, I believe Michelle and I are both traditionalists, but uh, my, my, the world has changed, right? Everything is different in every sport. I mean, did you ever think they'd have a pitch clock in Major League Baseball? Um, no. So, so I think, I think you might be on to something. I think it, there are people much smarter than me that could figure that out. And John, we appreciate your input. And if you ever have anything yeah. else and you want to come on the show and talk about it, you just let us know. Awesome. Thank you so much. John Thank you, Thank you guys. Awesome to meet you guys. Hey, I'm going to try to watch your show then. Just, um, when's this show? It, it, it's a podcast. It's a podcast. Tomorrow. Yeah, it'll be up tomorrow on Twitter. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you to meet both of you. All right, John. Thank you. you. Congratulations, my friend. Congrats. Thank, thank Thanks, you. Thanks again. That's John Ebert here on the owner's box. Michelle, I mean, what a great get. So great. Uh, I have to, I have to uh, thank Jenna for uh, facilitating that for us. I called her, texted her, tweeted her. I emailed her. <laughs> and then when she finally called me to say like, maybe he'll come on. I was a complete dumbass and I like couldn't even speak because I was like all fangirled over her. You are so So funny. I really appreciate her. You are so funny. He was great. Um, he was so great. Um, I love it. I just picked out a horse, but it was so low. I think it's very funny because that's like literally what we talk about on the show is how to do it. And it's very difficult. I mean, I've been in this game for now. Oh, my God. What am I? 50, I, I think I went to the track pride for the first time almost 50 years ago. And mm -hmm. I've been in this game. I think we've been semi-successful. And I still wouldn't go to an auction by myself and pick out a horse. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. You would. I do. I do constantly. Yeah, you do. All right. Well, thank you for doing that. And uh, what a great guest. And you know what? We'll continue to have great guests here on the Owner's Box. You can uh, tweet the show. You're going to tell us, wait, what's coming up at Santa Anita this weekend? Oh, it's a closing Santa weekend. Anita. It is closing weekend at the Great Race Place. you believe so it? So Friday, we have the folding chair giveaway. Yep. Saturday, we have um, the Phasic Tipton Futurity and Debutante, nice. which is made highlighted by uh the addition of miramati the unstarted colt that cost 1.5 million dollars yep for uh starlet racing and that whole group and bob baffert he's obviously named after track announcer frank miramati and he's been working lights out you can watch this over on xb tv so it's going to be interesting to see him in there it's not that i blame baffert for debuting him in a stake when they think he's this good i do think it's funny though because at a hundred thousand dollars the purse is a little bit smaller than the purse is at delmar so it's funny they put him in here right no i mean he's he's ready to go i think it's going to be interesting the the most interesting will be miramati's call of miramati he says that he's always an unbiased race caller i read this in like blood horse or in drf one of the two but he said i hope that he goes to the front and just increases his position and i hope that's the call i have to give <laughs> that would be pretty at cool. least we know he won't screw up the name no not at all no chance right no yeah chance. that's i love that do you think uh, do you think there will be a, do you think there'll ever be a horse just called you why you no i've had for you michelle and little michelle oh that's good I'm talking. There can't be a, there I'm talking, can't be a YU horse because there was a horse named, named you. you. Right, of course. Yeah. Yes, that's true. I'm talking to the uh, to the Avengers about just a, a horse named just Koch. Yeah. Koch. Yeah, just Koch. Uh, has there ever been one before? I don't know. I I actually, it's a terrible name. I feel like it actually has been a Koch. Really. He was by knife knife box out of Inshallah Philly by Caesar's Palace. Unbelievable.
1996. All right, what else? What else we got uh, before we end this thing? Also, it's- we have French Landia on Saturday in the infield. So all you guys that love those corgis, if you prefer French Bulldogs, this is your time. Nice. I'll in the infield for the French Bulldog events and races, just so you know. And we have the tram tours brought to you by my racehorse. Also, the Family Fun Zone in the infield and a $10,000 pick'em contest both Saturday and Sunday. For Beautiful. Sunday, closing day, it is Father's Day, obviously. So we're going to be doing buffets all over for pretty much every different price point that you could imagine in all different locations around the track. We also have a barbecue fest. We have drams for dads, so like bourbon tasting in the chandelier room. We have a $1,500 handicapping contest. And, of course, we have mandatory payouts. Love those mandatory payouts. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. You can tweet the show at Own a Horse, at the Michelle U, at BKLRF. If you have any questions about horse ownership, feel free to email me as well, Billy at littleredfeather.com. Michelle, as always, it's a pleasure, and I can't wait to see what we come up with next. Oh, are we taking a break? Yeah, we usually take a break. Uh, yeah. I'm heading to Ask It, and we usually take a break during uh los alamitos okay so we'll and be back we let's back yeah we'll hit it Mar. we'll hit it right before del mar and then we're doing beach boss i think right i mean allegedly i haven't heard anything have you i think someone mentioned it to me but i'm not 100 percent sure but i think we're doing it i'm sure we will okay let's do beach boss let's do our show that week pre del mar let's wait entries for opening day that week are on tuesday so maybe we'll do the show on like wednesday and put it up thursday Okay, sounds good. All right, thank you to everybody who listens. We really appreciate it. We are part of the In the Money Media Network, and especially to John Ebert, Blue Rose Farm. Congratulations, Archangelo, the winner of the Belmont Stakes. Talk to you guys soon.